0: yes, you're here, we're all here, we're all (laughs) seeing this. Arts Council Profiles. Interview with Holly Rose Rowan, primarily theatre director. Um, Hi, Holly, how are you doing?
1: Hello, Rose, I'm
0: good. So, can you tell me what your professional practice is? What does that involve as a theatre director?
1: Um... What on earth is this directing? I ask myself. <laughs> um, what is this directing? Fierce directing is ninety percent people management, ten percent creative. Um, and the more I learn about it, the more I realise that actually the skill set that I need to be strengthening is about managing people and working with people. Um, I don't mean managing in a sort of negative sense. I mean a positive sense of enabling people, um, facilitating people um, to do what, to be creative, actually. Um, And also I'm thinking increasingly about safer space in rehearsal room Mm. and thinking about what we've inherited um, in terms of how we set up a rehearsal room and whether that needs to be interrogated and thought about and um, unpacked and possibly unlearned. Um, so I feel like I'm the manager of that space Um, and then I'm also creative in the sense that um, I get to have a last say on all of the creative decisions Um, so the way I work is um, try and create an environment where people can throw as many ideas into the room and that I will kind of seize upon and stitch together what excites me or what I perceive are the best ideas or what ideas I think are going to be most exhilarating for an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess directing is also um, about... <laughs> so conscious of you quietly doing that bottle. <laughs> um what is what is directing directing is also about um is what directing is
0: something that changes quite often for you
1: no 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 I don't think so I think as I get older it's refining in my head okay I think I've always felt very instinctive about it and I think it is about um uh facilitating the creation of something that is going to be exhilarating for an audience, whether intellectually or emotionally or kind of physically. What
0: drove you initially to start doing that? When did, why, why did you get into that? When did it begin?
1: Directing began for me when I went to um, a youth group called Hot Tin Roof, which I think must have been named after Cat on the Hot Tin Roof. Um, And I remember, we did sort of little play, it was kind of like a club, like an after school club. Um, And we did sometimes did half-term project plays. And I remember really distinctively and really arrogantly aged about nine, feeling like um, I know what needs to happen. Like I know what needs to be done. I know what those two people need to be doing and how to make this better. I think that was it actually. Like I felt like really arrogantly, I was like, I know how to make this better. And then I flirted with the idea of acting when I was at school um, and was not great at it. And then in sixth form, pulled a random play off a shelf and directed it Um, and it was called rumors by neil simon and it was a farce um and i always used to feel like my strength was comedy and now i don't do comedy so much but i feel ultimately (laughs) my strength is probably comedy Um, and rumors had my a-level class in and was sort of probably appalling but at the time it felt fucking great Um, And then at university, I pursued directing and kept going. So you
0: articulated it quite early that theatre directing was the thing you wanted to do?
1: Yeah. I think that's lucky because I think a lot of people don't know what they want to do. And I think that Mm. for me, it was about how do I get to do what I want to do? Because the industry is ruthless and it's hard, um, but I always knew what I wanted to do. And I think that is privilege.
0: And I'm wondering also what externally, other than coming at it through like quite direct routes of drama clubs, yeah, and plays and stuff, and the experience externally, what is like what influences you to make plays about things?
1: Mm-hmm. In what sense?
0: Like, because every play, say, has a subject matter. <laughs> yes. While he goes to the other side of the room to drink. Every play's got a subject matter.
1: Yeah.
0: And making theatre means different things to everybody, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, do you think do you think politically you're quite mo? Like, do you think your politics influences why you want to make work? Like, what like why why do you want to make work other than the fact?
1: Is there anything other than I don't know? Other why than you enjoy I want to it. Make work? Um... I don't think I'm under the, I don't think I'm under the illusion that theatre is going to save the world. And I think there was a time where I um, was at least flirting with the idea that I could save the world through theatre. And now I'm like, no. Um, So I don't think, I think what's changed for me is I think I used to pursue work that was political. um, And now I'm realising that political work isn't about content it's about who you're making it with so actually what makes your work political is about how you're sharing your power and your resources who's in the room who's not in the room um and in a sense you could so i do a lot of work in prison Mm. um and actually we have made work together in prison that is about um fatherhood for example which you could argue is like i mean you can argue anything's political right but you could argue that that is a family domestic drama but actually i think that making that play is m- far more political than when i made a play that was about um Ugandan homosexual asylum seekers which is like content wise polit- politics a capital p mm. um so i think my journey at the moment in terms of po- politics and theater is about um, the how I'm making it rather than what I'm making it about.
0: Do you think your drive to make theatre,
1: would you say that's part
0: of your drive to make theatre, is the process of how you're doing it?
1: No. I think if I'm really honest, yeah. in a kind of... um We'd be
0: completely blunt.
1: I think if I'm really honest, I think my drive to make theatre is um, a personal compulsion and addiction to um, make it, like... wanting to make a piece of art that's live and i think that it just so happens probably because i went to drama club when i was a kid and probably because my dad used to take me to see plays um all the time as a kid in random fringe venues i think it's sort of like that's my um access into the arts but i think that you know it could have been something else but yeah i think it's a personal runs quite deeply in you yeah I think it's a personal thing to do with being an artist rather than necessarily like a political thing to do with this is my contribution to social movements yeah
0: yeah totally but I'm wondering as well because you so you have wolf whistled as well
1: which you Mm -hmm. set up tell us what wolf whistled is wolf whistled is not a great name for a group um (laughs) wolf whistled is a um women's network that was set up probably about 7 years ago now maybe 6 maybe 8 um and initially it was set up um between me and a couple of my mates to talk about women's issues our own issues around gender politics um and also we were going to do some reading like i think we at the beginning had this idea that we were going to do like a book club and we were going to read sort of big feminist great books and then discuss it the reading never happened and what emerged was a tiny little facebook group um, where we talked about gender related things and in the beginning it was really um it was like really basic stuff to do with ourselves so it was to do with, it was stuff to do with like um uh pubic hair removal or um you know not getting web uh gender politics in the workplace blah mm. um it's since swollen, It's now about 5000 people on it um, and we do something called Days of Doing, which are practical workshop days up to about 120 people, and each Day of Doing explores a different issue that feels, like, relevant um, now or, or important or urgent. So the last one we just did was called Feminism and Xenophobia. Uh, time before that, we did Feminism and Capitalism, Feminism and Race, etc., cetera, et cetera. Um, and the kind of model for that is... We run workshops ourselves. We also get other people in to run workshops. Um, And it's a pretty democratic space. And it's about the experience of the people in the room. And it's kind of a healing space. Um, So, yes, Wolf Whistled and the engagement with that and running that for all these years 100% impacts the way I tell stories and the kind of stories that I seek out but I think it's an unconscious impact, not a conscious impact. Mm. Um, So I don't think I set out to make a feminist piece of theatre. I think that ultimately whatever I pick up, I'm probably interrogating through the lens of whatever the political debate on Wolf Whistle is about in that moment. Mm. Um, More recently, we've been talking a lot about race and white feminism and white supremacy Um, and colonialism, and I think that that has started to impact the way I'm approaching text and, more importantly, impacting kind of, like, the creative group of people I bring together. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that, yeah, that's directly being influenced by Wolf Whistled, but I don't think it's ever a conscious... I don't think it's ever consciously. So your relationship with politics
0: and you as an artist, practitioner, theatre maker... Yes. That's become something that's more organic now. Like, do they feed into each other without you needing to force it? And then, but you said, because you said a while ago you were do- directly looking for stories mm-hmm. that were explicitly political.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And now, over the years of your political involvement and making theatre, it can exist independently, but also
1: god this is great this is like (laughs) directing therapy um yeah totally that's you've got a very good memory so yeah so I think at the beginning it used to feel like it was two parallel roads um there was like the political involvement um and a lot of that as well was around environmentalism and kind of direct action and then there was like me making nice theatre and then I think there was a point where I was trying to look for political stories to tell um and i think now and maybe it's a self confidence thing maybe now i'm in a stage where i kind of feel like give me the story and i will and i will naturally organically exactly bring um w- the angle of my thinking so i think that yeah i think you're i think you are very right that there has been a shift in that sense and i think i quite consciously try and feed my brain as well in terms of political thinking like i'm um like, I just read... Oh, what's it called? It's really worth reading. Um, why I No Longer Talk to White People About Race. Why I'm no,
0: yeah, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Yeah.
1: Um, and that, like, which has obviously got to do with theatre. Um, <laughs> but that his, There are a lot of seeds of thinking in that that have kind of implanted in the back of my brain and is shifting how I'm approaching theatre. And that's, like, I guess an ongoing process... Um, I'm being vague. What am I trying to say? Um, I guess I think I'm actively in my political world trying to start a process of unlearning certain things mm. like white feminism mm. or white supremacy. And I think that inevitably that impacts the way I make work.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And do you think... the way, Do you think making theatre... And what making theatre has taught you swings back the other way and feeds into how you
1: approach things elsewhere? Great question. Um, I think it makes me a bloody good organiser. Mm. So I, so at the moment, we are in the process of collaborating with Muslim Engagement and Development, um, looking at a series of workshops that is kind of... Um, they're very keen to explore... Um, the impact of um, colonialism on the way Muslim women approach jobs and job interviews which I know nothing about and I feel like what I'm bringing to the table is um, a bravery and a know-how of um, how to get a big group of people in a room and and conduct a the way it's structured for that to be engaging and democratic and I feel like that's yeah directly from directing directly from directing <laughs> um so I feel like just space like things building space building yeah great way of putting it and also like um like really dumb things that you just don't think about like actually I feel very confident being in a room of 150 people and talking and a lot of people don't and I, I sort of forget that Or I feel um, I'm very, very sensitive to when people aren't engaged. Um, And that's from years of reading audiences. Like, are they getting this? Are they getting this? Is this clear enough? Um, So I think it's a load of practical stuff about being, leading a room and doing behind the scenes organizing and kind of like galvanizing and energizing and inspiring a group of people to pull something off. Mm -hmm. Which I think is at the heart of a lot of, comes back to this people management thing. Um,
0: and I'm interested in how,
1: that, in
0: how this impacts your relationship with an audience in terms of when, when it feels very important to be making theatre because of the way you're making it and who you're making it with, in those instances, is there any desired effect? Like, what's your relationship with an audience? Is there a desired effect on them? Is it, does the audience just become much less important? Is it not for them?
1: Um, I think my desired effect is that an audience is going to have a thrilling and engaged time. Um, so, for, actually, I was just, I've just had a meeting about a Prison Project today, and I was—we were talking about the quality of the script, like how ambitious we're going to be in terms of trying to get a group of 10 people to write a script in two weeks, essentially. Um, and I was talking about, you know, the problem is, is that at some point these guys have got to get up and do it in front of the rest of the prison community. And the prison community are a really tough audience in the sense that if they are bored, you will know about it. Um, so I don't think there's a sort of like moral um, crusade going on in the sense of... Um, I want a particular group of people to walk out of a play I've made with a particular set of thoughts. But I guess I am asking particular groups of people to engage in certain stories, which is a political act in itself, right? Yeah. Um, But I don't know. I know this is really sort of slightly boring, but I just... I think I used to think about things more. And I think now I'm running a lot more on instinct and I'm in the room and making something. And I think I'm letting, I guess, as you've already observed, like doing lots of thinking, but I'm just trusting that it's going to bleed in to the way I make work. Whereas I think before I was being much more potentially thoughtful... Um, That
0: is totally not me. There's some person
1: that just walked in It's her, Ben. It's her, Ben. With a... uh, Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What was the question again? Um, Desired impact on audience. Well,
0: okay, can we articulate... Let me me re-ask that in something a bit clearer, maybe. I think it's interesting to know, because you're still incredibly early
1: on, really, Mm -hmm. in your... My 50s year of successful <laughs> directing or I take over the national yeah
0: <laughs> but like you are still like relatively like you are still incredibly young really mm-hmm. and however much you've done and have already achieved in what will be the full length of your career it's still very very early on but already I'm interested in how your relationship with audience has changed
1: mm.
0: like maybe think like five
1: years ago to now like what how has that changed Okay, it's changed in the sense that I understand that an audience is complicated and diverse. I think before I didn't think about an audience as anything other than an audience and now I'm acutely aware of a demographic of an audience. So um, I'm always really chuffed when lights go up and you suddenly see that there's a load of young people in um, representing all different types of background um, and I feel a bit snore when the lights go up and there's a load of kind of white people... Um, who are middle class and in their kind of mid-40s, 50s. Um, So I think that my relationship has changed with an audience in the sense that I'm clocking all that now. Um, I think that my relationship has changed with an audience in that actually probably I'm shifting towards understanding that making something that is enjoyable is potentially more political than truly enjoyable for everyone and is accessible is potentially more of a political act than making something that is highly academic and political with a capital P that a minority of liberal people will key into. Mm. Um, so I've just made this show with Ben called Prurience, Um, and it's about porn addiction. So, you know, it is a, it's about something important and, um, but the overwhelming experience of that show is um, the thrill of the layers of deception in that you don't know who's an actor and you think you know who's an actor and you stop knowing who's an actor and that actually is a real experience and I think that I I think that in a way I was like this is way more of a triumph <laughs> than the fact that a load of people who haven't necessarily um, been to the theater before or don't come to this kind of theatre in terms of it being participatory and experiential, having a great time, perhaps that's more of a triumph than making something that's kind of, like, thought-provoking. I yeah. don't know.
0: Yeah, And that makes a lot of sense. Um, so looking at your work more specifically... Yes. ..and its content and what it looks like, let's start off with... This is going to be really difficult... But let's start off with three words that des- that describe a Holly a Holly production. Bloody
1: hell! Um, three words that describe a Holly yeah, production. Yeah, the, just three
0: of the first ones.
1: Absurdist, with a tiny a. Visceral. Um, and feminist.
0: Mm, okay.
1: I think i probably edit visceral. I don't know what visceral really means. I guess I mean like... Um, I think, and it might be because of my age, but I think I'm making things that feel like tangible and energetic rather than necessarily kind of thoughtful or reflective. Like, I don't think my work is very delicate. I think it's sort of... Um, Why do you think it's an age thing? I just wonder whether when you're young you kind of make sort of meatier, more fast-paced... Stuff and when you're old, you're kind of like, I don't know whether your stuff is slightly more kind of thoughtful.
0: That's interesting, though, because that's interesting in how you were saying that. I'm only going to mention this briefly, but in how you were saying that you were driven towards work earlier on that was maybe more explicitly a discussion and conversation about something that was actually probably more had like more. Lit- like, uh, limited to a smaller audience and now actually you're, you seem to be more focused on visceral, like, more focused on experience that's for
1: everybody. I guess I mean thoughtful not necessarily in terms of, like, content and subject matter, but thoughtful in terms of, um, allowing ideas to sort of breathe in a piece, whereas at the moment I think that if I've got an idea I'll sort of, like, smash cut into it, um, Mm not necessarily a political idea or like a kind of theme, but just in terms of, um, I think the intent- the intentions I'm giving characters or the wants I'm giving characters are sort of um, bold colours, broad brush strokes. whereas I think that I like the idea that as I get older, I'll paint with a finer brush.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a fun question, which I might introduce to all of these. What star sign are you? <laughs> How does that affect your work? How did the recent full moon impact you um, <laughs> <laughs> no no uh what's your what's your when you're working what's your animal oh who am I yeah
1: oh i like that question um i am a giraffe why because i am um I, I am a little bit lanky in <laughs> in looks and in and in thoughts um I'm a bit silly. I've always thought that about you, lanky thoughts. Lanky thoughts. I think there's something a bit silly about me. Mm. Um, like a giraffe, you're like, you are a great animal, but you're, I mean, you're bizarre. Like, what's with the neck? <laughs> um, and I think that I've got the above everyone perspective. <laughs> but legs, legs akimbo <laughs> on the ground. Yeah that's great Um, But I like the idea I I aspire to be a sort of like um, I aspire to be a sort of cheater But I think in reality I'm not not as cool (laughs) as that I'm not a cool director You're the lanky version of a cheater A a lanky cheater (laughs)
0: Um, And so To try and describe what the experience is like Of watching your shows Obviously You look at them from inside out. But what, like, what does a Holly show look like? Like, what's the experience of
1: it? God, it's depressing how much I haven't considered process. Um, As soon as anyone's like, what's your process? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Um, What does a Holly show look like? Um, I hope that it is taught and so there aren't baggy things that are left, like... I hope there aren't bits of the show that... OK, let me start again. I, th- I like to think that the choices I've made are deliberate so that I let no stone is left unturned in the sense that there isn't kind of... A random, there isn't a
0: hole to pick.
1: Yes. Or there isn't... I guess there isn't a prop that is just like, what the fuck are you doing there? Or a decision that's a bit kind of... Because we couldn't be bothered to come up with a better decision. Um... So I think that in that sense, I think that my work is quite taut and tight. Um, I think that... Um, would thorough be another good word for that? Thorough would be an excellent word for that. Okay, cool. Um, yes, I think my work is thorough. Um, and I guess the experience of that is that... Um, watching that is it's not baggy. It's kind of, it, you know... It, It charges through, like like a steam train (laughs) through the night. Like a steam train, that's good. Um, I think that I am making work with a feminist lens and increasingly an intersectional feminist lens, even though I've got a lot of learning to do around that. Um, I think that... God, it's really interesting being asked to describe things because I can't... I basically, in the sort of arrogant level, I'm like, I know I'm good and I know that um, audiences plug in. Like, It doesn't necessarily mean that... But why... But say... But what is that? Right why now, that?
0: everyone listening, the one person that listens, has never seen your work. Yeah. Why do you think people plug into it?
1: I feel like I instinctively understand how to hit the sweet spots of a collective um brain if that makes sense so like in group therapy there is a sort of say if you've got 10 people in therapy there's always 11th person in the room and the 11th person is um the sort of collective vibe or personality of the group um and I feel like I'm really good at keying into that 11th person and understanding kind of what tickles them, what's going to engage them, what's going to move them. Um, So I think that, I think that I do think about clarity of story, but I think that most of the time I'm working really instinctively to work out like how to, how to get an audience to go, to go on a journey. God, as I talk, it's like, this is just waffle. What do I really mean? It's really hard. I just feel... I think I find it hard because I think so much of my process is instinct. Instinct, yeah. So I feel like it's really hard for me to analyse because I think that I do... In a rehearsal room, I think I do use, like, a sort of traditional process, but I think that I'm just using that as a slight template and I think I'm playing within that. Mm. And all of that play is about instinct and it's about um, taking the best offers from people.
0: But do you think you have fundamental beliefs about storytelling or theatre-making that you think connect with that 11th person in the room, that connect with that group? Like, or is it something that's really... Like, are you saying that with each show, you just feel like it's something so instinctual to you to know or to feel what an audience needs to feel about that show or to feel what you need to show them?
1: Yeah, or- I, feel, I feel like what you just said, which I know is a bit opaque... I think it actually comes from having watched a lot of theatre. So I think I've sat in a room from a really early age in Mm. audience after audience after audience. Mm. And I think what's interesting when we talk about the shifting of demographics is to what extent that I'm... My experience of what an audience... How an audience is going to key into something is to do with having always been in certain demographics of audiences. Um, But then again, like, you know, in a prison... Context: Ninety-nine percent of the people watching that show won't have been to theatre before, and I still feel like I'm working kind of instinctively. Yeah. Um. I need to think more about this. <laughs> uh,
0: what makes you tick when you're watching theatre? What makes you What makes you tick in experiences in general? So, like anything that happens live, like events that you witness or in a theatre or
1: what buttons do you like to be pushed? So I've just been to Glastonbury this year and there is something undeniably euphoric about the experience of watching live music um, that I don't think we get in theatre. I think we have moments of that in theatre, but I think that um, I went to see Stormzy at Glastonbury this year and I feel like for the entire 70-minute set everyone in the room was, everyone in the crowd was on the same page. Um, So I think euphoria is an amazing thing to experience communally at a live event that feels like, it feels like you're on drugs. Um, So I like having that button pushed. Mm. Um, I don't actually like to be made to feel fear or... um, fear or extreme pity so I think I'm actually like quite anti-catharsis as a concept so like when I go and see plays with um uh rape represented on stage Mm. in a really visceral way I feel really angry I come out feeling really angry that I was made to feel pity and fear um so I don't like that button being pushed um I do you, love. Do you think
0: that, say, when you see that happening, that is a process which some people believe in because it helps us to empathise or helps us to understand a story or helps us to experience what characters are experiencing? But do you feel like that isn't necessary?
1: I'm personally too sensitive. Yeah. So, like, I... Um, naturally anyway I pick up on people's energy and in a in a a sense that's actually I'm quite vulnerable to it so if one of my weaknesses is if someone is very angry I will feel a lot of that anger even if it isn't directed towards me there's a lot of transference that goes on it's to do with my own like having not built up my own defense mechanisms so the membrane between what's on stage and me as an audience member is too thin I'm not watching it I'm kind of feeling it and in that sense to be sort of, like, really dark about it. I feel like I've been abused when I'm watching someone else be abused on the stage. And do you think you're
0: aware of that when you're communicating with your audiences as well?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um,
0: That maybe you're not... That maybe through directing, because of your emotional... Because of your emotional experience of things, that you're not teaching people... You're not necessarily directly teaching people stuff or telling them something. You are giving them an emotional experience.
1: Yes, but I think I'm really increasingly careful to not be giving people a gratuitous experience. What um, do you mean by that? Like, not having... There is... there. If it serves a story, then I think it's important, but I think there are ways of making people... I think the Disney effect of making people cry for the sake of making people cry... Um, for me, makes me feel angry and used as an audience member. And I don't want... I want people in the theatre to feel like they're using the experience. They're a user of the theatre experience rather than feeling like they're used by the theatre experience, if that makes sense. Um,
0: Why do you think people use the theatre experience? Like, what do you think the theatre experience can be used for?
1: um, To feel connected with a group of people like i th- like why is that important i think there's nothing more important than to um feel a part of something greater than you and i think increasingly as we um plummet towards atheism and a kind of point of no return i feel like you know theater is about as spiritual as it gets or actually i think probably music is about as spiritual as it gets in a live context and kind of theater it's it sort of slightly nutty intellectual sibling. Um but yeah I feel like I feel like you know you want to feel like you've come to church when you've seen a play. Do you know what I mean? You want to kinda of like and that's why I love working in the round, because it's like, yes, you're here, we're all here, we're all <laughs> seeing this. It's bonding if it's terrible. It's absolutely uplifting if it's brilliant. Um I've connected with some other people tonight, see you later, like that's actually so unusual now, you know, you don't, when you go to a restaurant, you're, you sit on your little table, don't you, like there's a kind of, we don't have very many public spaces where you just get to rock up and be with other people in your community, Um, so yeah, I like feeling like, we're all in on something. I'm increasingly finding kind of interactive theatre that that is done in a way that's like... Um, I don't know, like, there's nothing... That honestly, there is nothing better than going to a pantomime. Like, genuinely feel like that. Like, I just think... You, we're all having a great time, and this is totally being made for us to use, you know, I mean use in a kind of like, not a sort of capitalist sort of consumer sense, I mean a sort of like participatory do, sense.
0: Do you not ever feel like Panto is a little bit similar to that Disney effect that you mentioned?
1: No. Why do you think they're different? Because um, I think Disney is corporate and it's got a grip on certain gendered racist narratives that it keeps banging out and it makes you feel like you've gone an emotional journey by kind of using slightly trickstery, tear-jerky, learnt tropes. Whereas I feel like pan- the t- tradition of pantomime is utterly about people coming together and um, having a laugh and... Um, participating in a tradition
0: i guess yeah i guess part of what's appealing about that is how community based it of it is traditionally as well
1: yeah and the fact that you probably saw most people probably saw what was on last year and now my dame's playing a donkey and my donkey's playing a beanstalk and do you know what i mean like there's something about there's a you know it's there we don't do series in theatres right you don't come and see kind of episode one in 2012 and then come back for episode two in 2013 so there's not continuity and there's like a continuity with the building maybe or the or the theatre company but like there's something brilliant about the continuity of pantomime in that you're coming to see the next instalment um and I it think, think theatre's like got a lot to learn from my model and it
0: acts more like a it acts more like a church thing, and that you know you're coming back again, right? Yes. Yeah. Totally, exactly. And which is maybe also what, was, which is also akin to what people get from TV series. Yeah. Which is sadly something that is
1: experienced
0: on your a, own your, under yeah. a
1: duvet. Yeah. Twenty episodes later. <laughs> um, yeah, completely. And I feel like actually, if you look at demographics of people that go to pantomimes, like you know, we t- we wang on about sort of where are all the ex people in in our audience. They're at the bloody pantomime. That's where they are. So like... Or at some of the big musicals. Or at some of the big musicals, exactly.
0: What do you think is different, though, about what we perceive as traditional theatre to, like, pantomime?
1: It's funnier. It's funnier. Um, It takes itself less seriously. Um, Its purpose is to entertain you, whereas with a lot of theatre it's like is this to entertain me is this kind of just because a director was interested in it is this something that I'm meant to consuming to make myself more cultured um whatever that means like you know great plays are great but they I think sometimes there is a sort of um not a snobbish relationship with an audience but kind of The audience are there to witness great art rather than to be served by the art that's in front of them and like there's you know thinking about how can I serve is a really amazing way of starting um your thoughts about a piece of work or a play and I really like I'm at the moment I'm prepping to um direct people places and things tour with Jeremy and Taryn and um and it's utterly humbling doing research about Alcoholics Anonymous. And the I've sort of been privileged to sit in on a meeting and um, it's like basically the only functioning model of anarchism that we've got in the world in the sense that this thing that should totally not work, which is people who have got a disease, who have lost most of the crutches in their life or foundations of their life come together quite often as complete strangers on a nightly basis to heal collectively and I just feel like the more I think about people placing things to play the more I'm like we should be trying to recreate that for the audience that we're coming together to watch this play and we're going to heal collectively, you know, in a slightly Mm -hmm. different sense to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, but actually, like, that feels like... Yeah. Like, regardless of being...
0: Like, you want places to heal collectively without needing... Like,
1: for everybody. I guess I'm thinking about how is a show going to serve the audience, right? Mm. And I guess I'm thinking, like wouldn't it be amazing if the experience of this show is a healing one for the audience? Um, And that feels similar to pantomime in the sense that wouldn't it be amazing if we all got to have a laugh for the next two hours? Like I guess, like, direct, like, how can I serve you um, relationship with the audience?
0: Um, So we've got to wrap up in a minute. Can we end on some things that are exciting you? about upcoming whether that's like personal pursuits creatively of what you're of what you're working towards or particular projects what's exciting you today for tomorrow
1: i'm excited by the fact that i've set up a collective of people in plasto and we're living in this big house and communal living is working it's three months in, it's early days, but it's working and that excites me. So living with a group of people who aren't my family um, and looking after each other as if we were a family um, feels like one of the only anti-capitalist things that I'm able to practice in my daily life and it fucking works and that feels absolutely exhilarating. Um, I'm excited by the Lyric Theatre. I've just done two projects with them this year and I just feel like they've got a completely... Um, refreshing and um inspiring is such a daft word because it gets overused but like genuinely inspiring relationship with all the young people they work with and I found that absolutely thrilling um so I'm excited about the lyric I am really excited about people places and things um it is a treat of a script and it's a complete privilege to be able to crack it open with a new cast. Um, and I am excited about... Um, I think I'm excited about... There's. I went to a talk the other weekend um, about the housing crisis, sort of social housing crisis, and it's made me think a lot about um I think I've been thinking increasingly about how we live and what alternative living looks like um so I feel like that works on two fronts It works on a personal front about trying to live my life domestically differently um but it also works on like a more um community front about thinking about who in my area is um experiencing a crisis of housing and how can the people in my little community collective pull our resources to um trying to aid those people in whatever way so we've been thinking a lot about how uh, we're kind of the front end of gentrification right so we are a group of artists living together who've just moved into an area that no one's heard of and we're really aware that in five years like we're that we're we're a sort of spearhead of and a wave of gentrification into our area so we've been talking a lot about is it possible as the gentry to um be in an area and not gentrify it? And, like, how do you actively not participate in gentrification? Or is the very fact we're there gentrification? But one of the things that we keep coming back to is about having authentic relationships with people in your community, whether that's like your next door neighbour or whether that is um, really trying to understand what the needs of that community are and, and giving energy and time to aging causes that are already going on. Like becoming part of that community rather than using it? Yes yeah exactly like and actually grassroots. like grassroots grassroots
0: anti-capitalism right
1: yes exactly <laughs> exactly but also just like I think finding out what's going on and seeing if you can yeah. lend a hand rather than necessarily rocking around demanding um I don't know we have this like this is a this is a weird night to end on but I'm going to end on it we everyone in the house is vegetarian or vegan and I went to the corner shop there's no there's no sort of like Sainsbury's local yet it's just like old school corner shops so i went to the corner shop and said do you have any vegetarian sausages and as words left my mouth i was like this is it you're fucking gentrifying the area you mm. are creating a demand for vegetarian sausages fuck
0: but then environmentalism is anti-capitalism as well
1: there's a great article on um called white veganism mm. um which is worth reading which kind of explains like there's a kind of puritism a pure is that a word puritan i'm not sure Purist, purist. There is a purist kind of thinking around, like, environmentalism that doesn't take, ironically, take into account, like, people's access to... Well, it's
0: very easy if you've got money, it's very easy if you have the education to be environmental.
1: Yeah, but also flying avocados in from South America, whilst that isn't... It's ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. But in the name of veganism, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. But
0: you also don't need to have avocados to be vegan.
1: You don't, but quite often I the do. The only vegan <laughs> option is avocados, yeah. And I absolutely love an avocado. In the um, NHS apparently, there was this whole thing recently where um, people kept coming in um, with cuts that they got on their hands from when they cut an avocado in, in half. They were trying to get the pip out, like throwing the knife at the pip in order to get the pip out. And it got so many people came in with exactly the same wound, but the NHS started writing it down as um, avocado hand. It was like another case of avocado hands. That's ridiculous. I love it. But it's just that thing in an
0: ongoing pursuit of awareness. Yes. You know. Once be you, aware. Be very aware. Once you know where avocados come from, almonds.
1: Yeah.
0: Mental what else? tofu. Yeah. It's
1: complicated. An excellent vegan recipe that is. Um, environmentally and socially aware mm-hmm. is rice and dal anything else you can't eat <laughs> basically
0: okay rice and dal everyone. everyone
1: thanks so holly <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was holly rose rowan talking to me rosemary Martezos. thanks for tuning in to arts council Find us again at www.artscouncil.co.uk and follow links to our SoundCloud and Twitter. Thanks again for listening.